During the coronavirus crisis and lockdown, Rabbi Katz will be delivering an informal pre-Mincha study session on Zoom every day at 6.50 p.m. If you're interested in joining, please send an email to rabbidkatz at gmail.com indicating that you would like to be added to the Zoom meeting, and you'll then be sent the link to access the Zoom learning session. Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's uh, Monday morning and uh, trying to organize my talks for this week. And uh, one of my friends, my new friend sponsors, uh, Jonas Stefanski, asked me, to talk about the history of the sphere, by which he means, I'm sure, the uh, jumble of customs uh, connected with sphere and Lagbomer and all the rest of it, the, the, no music, no no dancing, and, and, and no weddings and all that. And I said I'd do it. I was a little hesitant, because it's a mess. I'm speaking from the history pr- point of view, but I'll give it a shot. And so, in that spirit, we're dedicating today's talk on some historical aspects of the Sphira to uh, his late brother. I, he sent me the Zechor Nishmas, Ayyelevin, Sachemir Stefanski. And uh, I'll jump right into it with both feet. Hope to do a little bit of justice to a very complex topic. Uh, again, I'm speaking from the history perspective. Uh, and the reason I say it's a complex topic is to do it right is a, is a three-hour talk. And I know it sounds rhetorical when I say it, but if you are familiar with the scholarship on this, you'll know how, you know, how uh, complex it can get. And the basic problem goes as follows. Judaism is a, relig- is a living religion uh, and with its own living uh, traditions. I emphasize the word traditions living because sometimes people do things and we adopt uh, practices and nobody knows exactly why. And then all the scholars are, are running to catch up with what's already there, and try to sort of retroactively uh, justify it. And the sphere, especially the Lagbomber, is, is the classic example of this. Because uh, putting aside this year that we have the coronavirus, but, and who knows what Lagbomber will be in Israel, because people are nuts. You know, they're making, in Lakewood, their motto, the minions again. You know, people are crazy about this uh, stuff. But assuming that there's some modicum of social distancing this log bummer, it's going to be different than every other year. But let Dal, the year Toshin Pei, put aside 2020. In, in, in the last, all the other years, if you ask somebody, and I've said this before, what is the fastest growing holiday in Judaism? Uh, today. Uh, it's not Passover, it's not Hanukkah, uh, despite what people think. It's log bummer. And when I say it to people, they look like, huh, what are you talking about? But if you actually do a little research and you do the numbers, like a half million people show up, more than a half million people in Maron. Every year, more and more people. It's just a fascinating subject for sociologists to get into. Which is, this is the fastest growing holiday in Judaism. More and more people get into it. And I'm talking about chilonim, uh, people that are, uh, I mean, literally, p- 
people who are secular, have no connection with religion. And Kalvachomer, the, the, the traditionalist Sephardim and that sort of thing, more and more people who don't have any connection with any other part of Judaism, somewhere or other, turned on by Lag Bomer and they go to Maron, or some variation thereof. Now, it's easy to say, well, it's a holiday, it doesn't demand anything from you. It's, like, it's not like Shabbos or Pesach where you got to keep it in Malacha. It's not like these other holidays where you have to stay away from this food or that food. You know, it's all positive. And there is truth to what I, you just said. So if you turn Lag Bomer into a consumerist, uh, you know, frenzy, that might explain. But that's what you call necessary but not sufficient explanation. There's obviously something there, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm just observing as an objective observer. There's something about Lag Bomer and the whole Omer thing, but especially Shem Yochai, which uh, is, is like Mosheikh, it's like a, a magnet, which is very interesting to me. Uh, and the the uh, the other pilgrimage is, uh, you know, Nachum Breslover. So between these two pilgrimages, they become a big deal in modern Judaism in a way that you don't find any other uh, movement, which is kind of interesting. Now, as I said before, well, let me just, just fix this here. One second. Okay. Uh, as I said before, I was hesitant to do this because Lagbomber doesn't lend itself to history. Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. There's such a thing called tradition and another thing called history. History is about written sources. History is not archaeology. Archaeology is about physical remains. History is about literary sources. You find old stuff written. It may be true, it may be not true. The job of the historian is to try to do their best logically and transparently to evaluate the written stuff. And, uh, is it real? Is it fake? You know, when was it written? Uh, you know, all, all hundred, uh, you know, what are the mashmos of it? Parsing it, you know, decoding it, the written stuff. When you don't have written stuff, not really, and nevertheless you have practice, uh, a whole tradition you're, you're leaving the Department of History, which is why I'm hesitant to talk, talk about the Omer and the Lag Bomer. And I'll jump right into it. What, for, by, by making the following observation. We talk about the Omer, but really it's a misnomer. You know, there are three things, A, B, and C. Let's, you know, separate them for a second. There's the Carbon Omer. There's the commandment in the Torah to count 50 days. And then there's the thing about the Omer restrictions. Uh, you know, what we call colloquially sphere, but it's not connected with the sphere altogether. The carbon omer is the carbon. The counting of the 50 days has nothing to do with Rabbi Kiva's Talmud or anything like that. There happens to be a separate mitzvah that long pre-existed at the time of Rabbi Kiva, obviously, called counting 50 days between, and, uh, between Pesach and Shavuos. And now a third item, what colloquially has come to be called sphere, like you say you have a sphere of beard or a sphere of restrictions, means they happen to come out during this time. And that, as everybody knows, is based on the Gemarnia Vomits, which says, Rabbi Akiva had 24,000 students, and they died between A and B. Right? Between point A and point B. Between Pesach and Atzeres. So that means, Pashim Shat, that, uh, that Rabbi Akiva had a tragedy, he had students, they died in what we would call today a pandemic, <laughs> you know, we're now in the middle of Corona, except that the Gemar views this as a spiritual thing, Right, is a, is a pandemic, but it, but it was not. It was, it was a it was a punishment by God. This punishment by God took the form of a medical uh, outbreak. You know, uh, uh, an epidemic, and uh, they all died from Oscar. It says you know, which they died from a painful death. 
Mamash, Oscar is like the corona, isn't it? It attacks the lungs. You know, is it the theory or something like that? And you choke. Actually, it's interesting. Believe me, a lot of pulpit rabbis will make a big deal out of that. But uh, they had all these students, and they died between point A and B. That's all the Gemara says about it. It says, Lo Nagu, and so forth. Uh, the Gemara does not say, as I think everybody's aware, that because these students died between point A and point B, as a result, Kalal Yisrael took on Avelis of some sort or another. It doesn't say that. Okay? And in Jewish history, there have been many tragedies. For example, if 24,000 students of Akiva died at this point, how many were killed by Titus at the time of the destruction of the base of Migas? You know, you read Joseph, you see 900,000 or more. Uh, how many were killed in time by Kochla? Heck of a lot more than 24,000. How many were killed in this Gezerah and that Gezerah? There are a lot of persecutions of the Jews. Now, you could be an elitist, which the Talmud is an elitist document, and say, well, deaths of tens of thousands of the masses, it's not the same thing as the deaths of tens of thousands of yeshiva students, Talmud Chacham. All right, I get that. I understand that. You know, that's a certain way of looking at it. Um, and then you say like this, okay, fine. So they die. That's the whole source. Now, uh, as I said before, you will not find Talmudic literature any reference to Avelis during this time. In post-Talmudic literature, you won't really find sources for Avelis of any sort. You do and you don't. When we're to- um, there's a lot of literature on this, and I'm trying to think of how to present it to a podcast audience in a simplistic way. Uh, because that's the only way to do it in this uh, format. Uh, and I'm not being funny when I say it or condescending. I'm, 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 I'm trying to be practical to help you. And I would say in general that anybody's interested in this subject, look up Zevin in the Modem Allah on his chapter on uh, Lagbomer, which is brilliant. And he brings all the classic sources and lines them up, uh, contradictory as they are. You could also look at the Archa Shulchan, by the way, uh, in Top Side of Gimel, this is all in Top Side of Gimel, the Shulchan Aruch. Uh, and he's, you know, he very briefly, which is a good thing for a beginner, very briefly, you know, summarizes and synthesizes, synthesizes the classic opinions out there about the about the Omer and about the uh, about the Lagmomer. And the third one, I would say off the top of my head, would be the Kafachayim. If you take, because he's a, a big malakate, and he will give you. You know, all the rest. If you look at these three farm, the Modim uh, Balacha, which you can get in English, the, uh, what I say, the, the Archa Shulchan, which is not hard to read, the Kav Chaim also, which Ashkenazim often don't have a Kav Chaim. That's like the Sephardic Mishnah Bura. But it's around in a lot of shuls. And uh, some of you may have it. And just look up in Top Tzadik Gimel, you'll see the sources. In between those three, you'll see a heck of a lot of what you need to know for the subject. And if you want to go beyond that, you're already a scholar, which probably is not the case. So, um, so let me summarize. So you don't find any reference, for example, in the Rambam, to Sphira and the uh, Lagmomer. Because the Rambam is a Talmudist. He's telling you what the Gemara says. No, I'm wrong. The Rambam also tells you what the Minhagim of the Gaonim were. So it's significant that in the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam doesn't say, hey, by the way, there was a minigong to go on him in Bovel after the, the, the Talmud, you know, to uh, have restrictions during the sphere or have Lagbomer or this kind of stuff. Having said that, it's clear that by the time you get to the high Middle Ages, I'd say by the 10, 1100s, 
again, you no know, reference to any restrictions in the 100s, 200s, 300s, 400s, 500s, 600s, 700s, 800s. It's a long time. 900s and 1000s. There is, seems to be possibly one chuvo, and you can see this in Zevin, uh, from a high gone, I think it was, asking a question, how come there are no chasanas, you know, during uh, you know, the, the month of E or something like that, during what we call the sphere. Uh, if that's an accurate chuvo, you know, you never know when you get the chuvas going, if they're, if they're correct or not, as far as gears. So that would be a, a reference to something. But by the time you get to the 10, 1100s, you see that the people who write this form are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Because already by then, there were customs of mourning of one sort or another. And if you look in the tour, by the way, he'll say, you know, uh, I'm doing this by heart. But uh, there was a custom already, you know, not to get married or something like that. And later on, there was a custom in some places, you know, not to take a haircut, uh, you know, here and there. Music, I don't know where it came from. Because it's not in the early things. And nowhere does it say the words music. As a matter of fact, as I understand it, there is no prohibition of music specific to the sphere that they said, oh, we're geyser in the music. Rather, there's a general iser of music, like Degris Moshe says, and um, happens to be that the custom developed that the people apply this seriously during the sphere and during the three weeks, which is just interesting. Uh, now, by the time you get to the high Middle Ages, people are trying to figure out what's going on. And what they said was, well, obviously, these customs must reflect the fact that uh, Rabbi Kiva's students died between A and B, between Pesach and Atzeris. So uh, that must be why we don't get married during, between Pesach and Atzeris. The problem is that there weren't that many communities, there were some, in which they literally took this, like this Farnam do today, you know, like Dari, and you say, I'm keeping the Gantz Asfira, with no exceptions. From Pesach to Atzeris is no Chasas, no Lag Bomer, no nothing. That's what it sounds like in the Gemara. There's no reference there to Lag Bomer. And so, already in the time of the Middle Ages, you had the following contradictory reality, because it wasn't defined in the Gemara. So new variations on customs just popped up. And in some places, people kept the whole thing. And in other places, people did not. And then the rabbis are struggling to figure out why is it that in this community or that community, they do this way or do that way. And little by little, you know, you end up with the jumble that we have today, for example, as to use modern terminology, some people keep the first days and some people keep the second days. You know, that you'll understand what I'm saying. Right? Uh, is it Lag Baomer or is it Lad Baomer? You know, like the Sparnim. Is there Lag Baomer? Some don't have Lag Baomer altogether. And where did Lag Baomer come from? It doesn't say in the Gemara that they stopped dying on Lag Baomer. So where did it come from? And nevertheless, I'm trying to show you the 10 hundreds, the 11 hundreds, the 12 hundreds. Already you see. That even see is where people don't get married during this time. Uh, you know, people had refrained from haircuts in one period or another. And in Lag Baomer, a lot of people make it like a stickle holiday. Or at least they didn't apply those restrictions. Now, because there are no literary sources in the Talmudic sense, so, as I say, different Rishonim, we're trying to come up with shots of what's happening. So, um... One way is to follow like in Spain, because it's not just an Ashkenaz thing. One way is, like in Spain, the famous, uh, you know, Drasha, Yeshua Ibn Shuib, who's a very famous Darshan of Once Upon a Time. Now, I know you never heard of him, but just take it from me, Once Upon a Time, he's around. And the Drasha, if you look it up, I mean, it's a safer that's sold in the bookstores. 
drushes, drushes from Yudim and Shweeb, which he gives classic, you know, drushes on the holidays. He was Talmud of the Rajba. So we're talking about the late 1200s, early 1300s. That's already well advanced in the Middle Ages. And he knows about Lag Bomer. You understand? And he's trying to figure out what's going on. Now, um, I repeat, it doesn't say in the Gemara that, uh, you know, because the students died in Lag Bomer, therefore Kali Yisrael undertook, you know, not to, you know, to, to refrain from things. Because I can guarantee you, had it been in the Gemara, the Gemara would immediately zoom in and say, do you mean the first days? Do you mean the last days? What about music? What about this? What about somebody who's never been married before? Can he get married this time? Is that the All the shells that pop up in the Akron would have been already in the Gemara. But since there is an absence of that, so the other rabbis had to try to figure out what's going on. And by the time you get to him, really it's in earlier sources, they say, well, the Gemara actually is read a different girsah. Because um, the way you read it in your Gemara and my Gemara is, Shnei Moser Elev Zukos Talmim Holy Rabbi Kiva, Megiris Antipras, Rabbi Kiva had 12,000 uh, pairs of Chavrusas, students, from point A to point B, from Gvas to Antipras, like you say, from New York to Lakewood, let's say. Bekulam Mesa Per Gechod, Neshanogu Zekod Zebazeti, all died at one time, because they weren't knowing Zebazeti, Ohayu Olam Shamim, and so forth. Now, uh, uh, he doesn't have the Girsa here. Hold on. I was looking at Morale. He didn't quote it right. He says, they all died being Pesach Lazarus. Now, um, uh, Pesach Lazarus means between point A and point B. Between Pesach and uh, Shabbos. No, no, no. It says, being Pesach ad pros Lazarus. You know, some people argue it's a Girsa thing, which means halfway through. Pros like, you know, Matzah Prusa. Oh, so they didn't die all the time. They only died half of the time. Half the time, if you do calculations under the Lag Bomer. You know, in other words, that's where this rabbi in Barcelona is trying to say, oh, that must be where Lag Bomer is coming from. Not that they know that and therefore you're coming and this is how we ordained it. But I grew up in this town in Barcelona, like I'm growing up in Baltimore and you're growing up in Muncie or wherever. And you see, this is what people do with Lag Bomber. So you're working backwards. This is why I say it's a problem for history because everybody's working backwards. They have a practice and they're trying to find a justification for it. And you can't say the practice is wrong because Gedolim do it, so therefore it must be true. You understand? Now, uh, that's one way of approaching it. Another way, which is much more weird, is in Maharil where he says, well, there was a Misora. See, I told you, there's no historical source. It's a Misora that they didn't die in the days of Tachnan, when you skip Tachnan. Really? Yom Shein Bo That's weird. So in other words, it wasn't that they died being Pesach Lazarus, or being Pesach Apros Lazarus, which would mean that they did every single one of those days. Right? That's one way of understanding that term. You say people died between the 1st of January and the, and the 31st of January. It could mean every one of those days, but not necessarily. The language could also mean they died between the 1st of January and 31st of January, but not every single day, during that month, and not after, and not before. And so, the Maril would say that when it says they died between Pesach and Exodus, it doesn't mean every day. Uh, some of the days they didn't die. So, wh- which is it? Because the Maril, who lived in the 1400s in Germany, is in Akron, he didn't say, I have a list from somewhere of the days that they died and didn't die. I mean, the Gemara doesn't give any uh, you know, record like that. 
So he said, well, the, what he heard was not, not on the days that were, shall we say, uh, holidays or semi-holidays, which means no tachnun. Really? Okay. I mean, so again, because the maril is so kashav, and you and I, Ashkenazi Jews, if you're listening, Ashkenazi Jews, you follow, a lot of what we do comes from the maril. A lot of what we do comes from the maril. So shine. Then you say like this, they didn't die on Shabbos, because you don't say Tachnon on Shabbos. That's seven weeks, that's seven Saturdays. Okay, interesting. Um, they didn't die on Rosh Chodesh, because you don't say Tachnon Rosh Chodesh. So that'd be uh, Rosh Chodesh is two days, and Rosh Chodesh is, is one day. So now you have ten days. So that's interesting. Uh, what else? They didn't die on the seven days of Pesach, because... Pesach is a seven-day holiday, biblically speaking, right? So that give you 17 days. So that means, uh, so that's what the Maril says, but it makes no sense. Because what, if you follow what he says, the logic of it should go like this. I keep a Svira, but on the days that there's no Tachnun, I can shave. Now, maybe not on Shabbos, because of the seven days of that. Uh, maybe not on Pesach, same day, but but yes, on Rosh Chodesh, right? For example, you see what I'm saying? Uh, in other words, to 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 follow that consistently and say that we don't practice Avelis on the days that there are no Tachron, because we have a tradition according to Maril that on those days there, there was a pause in the dying, it was a, a lucky day. The Malchamah was containing, but in those days would ordinarily be mashma that you and I can um, relax the restrictions on those days. But on the other hand, since most of those days are days you can't do anything anyway, like Shabbos and Yontif, so it's like useless, you follow? Now one could say like this, useless, schmuzless. If that's what we, if the Messiah is correct, and those are days that, uh, you know, Malchim didn't hit anybody, so those are days that you can, uh, you know, not practice fear. But it didn't evolve that way. The Maril is totally aware of this. And so what he says is, okay, you have 17 days in which the Malcham Abba then hit. It happens to be the 17 days you didn't say Tachnon. But the key thing to remember, he says, is it was 17 days. Well, the whole uh, Omer is uh, 49 days. Deduct 17, you end up with 32 days. So keep 32 days of, of, of the Omer. Right? Which 32 days? Whatever you want. So let's say, for example, the Maril would say, keep the first 32 days. And then you're in Lagbomer, then you're finished. So in other words, the if according to this scheme, the 33rd of the Omer is not a um, special day. In point of actual historical fact, according to the Maril, in point of actual historical fa- fact, the students of Rebbe did really die on Lagbomer. You get what I'm saying? The year that that happened, let's say it was the year, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, 75 CE. Let's just say it was that time. So during that year, the students of Rabbi Kiva, according to Mario, did die in Lagbomer. But the way we, the way the tradition evolved was to count up the number of days altogether in which people didn't die, deduct that from the total, and make the remainder the amount of time do you practice the sphere of restrictions? So you only end up with, so if there's 17 lucky days, just work it backwards, 
and, and, and practice the sphere on 32 of those days. Uh, so Mamela, Lag Bomer, happens to be the lucky jackpot that that's the day, that the 32 days are over. So that's Mama's very strange. That's really working backwards like a Rube Goldberg situation. Uh, because what you're saying is, you know, really, they did dialogue Boomer, but from now on, we always practice like didn't dialogue Boomer. Masha Enkin, if you go like the other way of understanding it, a pro Soaxeris, they ceased dying on Lag Boomer. On the other hand, what if you go like those who say that we practice the sphere, you know, all the way through, or something like that? Or as many say, you know, there, there are those who have a custom, a widespread custom, uh, there are many different customs, that after Lag Bomber, you still don't do chasas. Are you, are you familiar with that? Yes, yes. So people say like this, on Lag Bomber, I make a wedding, and do all the rest of it, and after Lag Bomber, not. And others disagree. And uh, why would you, you know, why would that be? If they ceased dying anymore, uh, and you're holding the first days, so why don't you, you know, do the last days also? And like I say, I happen to see in the morale where he comes up with this scheme where he says, Afal Gaf Domer Mesu me Pesagaratseris, Malka Magzera, become Magzera Poskabalag Bomer. So this is like the coronavirus. They stopped, the, the epidemic stopped on Lag Bomer. Listen closely. Shlocholo Rechad. That from Lag Bomer on, no one else contracted the illness. Rak Osim Shlocholo Mikon Lag Bomer Mesu Lag Bomer. But the morale understands it that. Those who had contracted it did die afterwards. So it's almost like the corona business. You know what I mean? Some people get it, some people don't get it. Of the ones who contracted, some survive, some don't survive. Uh, so if they, you know what I mean? So if they came up now, you know, uh, where I'm giving this talk in the middle of the corona thing, it could be that they come up with a cure, halavai. It could also be they come up with, with, with like uh, something that prevents you from getting mechanical haba, but wouldn't help you if you already got it, lamafreya. That's uh, exactly what the morale understands. So you see what I'm saying? This is all working backwards. It's all working backwards. And, uh, but nevertheless, this is the Jewish people. This is how we popped up with the different notions of practicing 32. Once you came up with this scheme to keep 32 days or 33 possibly, depending how you read that, after deducting the days of the, that we just said. So then it becomes a question, do you keep the first, you know, you, you can organize those 32 days. The first uh, sphere or the second, you know I me mean, from Rosh Chodesh onwards, but uh, it becomes an arithmetical, uh, you know, uh, process. The the main weirdness with that is that it does admit that in the historical Lag Momer, in the first thirty third day of the Omer, you know, in the time of Rabbi Kiva, they did die on, the, on that day historically. So that's what I'm trying to say. It's it's it, it's a mess. Now, in addition to everything I just said, the uh, so we. It, it doesn't seem, you know, well-grounded enough to explain where they came up with all these, you know, things. You can't get married and, 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 and the haircuts and rikudim, you know, dances, and which spilled over to music. And, uh, and the big rabbis know this very well. And consequently, you began to see, among some of them, because it reflects, obviously, the dissatisfaction with the existing amount of information upon which to base current practice, that there must be something else in there. What could possibly be, I mean, let's put it this way. I heard of the students of Rabbi Kiva, that's in the Gemara. Where else, what else are you going to have in that time? There is nothing in the Gemara about that particular time. No, I could be wrong. If you know the Mishnah is, uh, uh, and I don't say this is where it came from, but some suggest it, 
If you know the Mishnahis, you look at the uh, end of uh, the second paragraph of Adias, and uh, it's Rabbi Kiva talking, and he says, Chamisha Dvarim Shal Chodesh. That we know, this is not Gadata. It's a Mishnah, it's a Mishnah. And he says, there, there are five things that last 12 months. That the flood in the time of Noah was a 12-month business. That the sufferings of Job in the book of Job lasted 12 months. The 10 plagues lasted uh, 12 months. World War III in the future, which is going to precede the coming Mashiach, is going to be a 12-month war. Oh my goodness. And finally, and that the wicked burn in hell for 12 months. That was the purgatory. How long does that take? And he quotes uh, which, by the way, is this week's uh, Haftorah, because coming over uh, uh, Isaiah 66. So if you need a uh, good Torah to freak everybody at the Shabbos table this week, you know, just say, by the way, you know, Mishmar Hashem is going to be 12 months. That's all from Rabbi Kiva. And then the Mishnah concludes, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri Omer, that no, the wicked do not burn in hell for 12 months. They burn in hell for much less than that. From Pesach Atzeres for, for, for 49, 50 days. Because it says at the end of the, the Haftorah this week, in, in the very end of the book of Yeshayahu, you know, it says, So Chodesh would mean that they burn for 12 months and Shabbat Shabbat will mean they burn only for a few weeks. From Shabbos to Shabbat, from, from Pesach to, to, uh, uh, to Shavuos. Oh, wait a minute, that's a completely different thing. That's nothing to do with Rabbi Kiva. And those who were, you know, bothered by uh, the paucity of information and the lack of the arithmetical, uh, you know, uh, precision that I just described before, and they weren't comfortable with the suggestion of a different girsa, prosateris, so they're looking for other reasons that would justify the um, the restrictions that the Jewish people seem to have picked up on their own all over the place. I repeat, it's not just an Ashkenaz thing. It's a Sephardic thing, too. And, uh, you know, it's a big giat, or in, early in Spain, in Sephard. So, what's going on? And um, they said that the restrictions that we do is because we sympathize with the Rishayim, burning in hell. Because it might be your grandfather, <laughs> it might be your uncle, you know, you don't know. Yerushalm don't only mean a guy, Yerushalm are the Jews, and who, and ain't Sadiq Bar you know what I mean? So, by way of a sympathy strike, you know, like the unions, so you adopt a voluntary restrictions on uh, haircuts and getting married and music and that sort of thing uh, during the sphere. Uh, now, that's a totally different shot, right? And what you're therefore saying, this introduces a new element into it. And what you're saying is, uh, yeah, I know the students of Akiva died, but the Mishra Shun, that's something really to, to uh, you know, uh, participate in uh, vicariously. Now, by the way, it just so happens, because I was thinking this, I opened a Satmar book uh, from Rabbi Harfanes. I like his Shalos and Shuvah, they're short and to the point. You know, Mikdash Yisrael, I think it's called. And I, you know, he, and I have a bunch of them, and one of them is on the, the Sphera. And I just happened to see that the Sam Rebbit went all the way. He didn't. He didn't, uh, um, you know, do any of the uh, thirty-three businesses. You know, he did like Daria, I guess, all the way through. 
and Darn Moran Mesatmer, the Satmar of Hilhaxi Gavels Mesha calls Mesphira, right? And he didn't like, uh, you know, uh, doing the Sloshim uh, Agbola and all these other little ways around it. And uh, he says also here, and he didn't even like Lag Bomer. At least weddings in Lag Bomer. Really? I thought the whole world makes weddings in Lag Bomer. The Shulchan Aruch said you didn't wedding in Lag Bomer. And he said, because Because of that Mishnah. So that's how strongly he took it. Now, I didn't say he ostered people from making weddings on Lag Bomer, but he, if you asked him, he didn't approve of it. So you have a completely different approach to the sphere. Forget the Rebbe Kiva part, or maybe in, in tandem with him, in conjunction with it. So you see what I'm saying when I say historically you're working backwards. We have practices. We have, I would say, fairly universal practices, but nobody knows exactly why. At least that's what it seems to me. And therefore they're, they're looking backwards for reasons. Uh, another approach, I don't know, I, I don't like it, is... That people say like this. Well, the Xeris uh, uh, Tatnu were were in the time of uh, being Pesalatzeris, the Crusaders. Um, in ten ninety six, the uh, uh, the Crusades uh, began in ten ninety five, and although most of the Crusading groups left, the Jews alone one didn't, and this the group then went down the Rhine River and killed all these Jewish communities, and it wasn't the month of May. And it was actually some of them up to and including the time of Shavuos. And the theory then would go, this left a scar on the Ashkenazic Jews, which it did. And there are a lot of piyutim in the real Minig Ashkenaz, where they, uh, I should say, uh, you know, slichas and uh, uh, mourning uh, dirges, uh, you know, uh, no, it's not piyutim, but more like slichas to commemorate the great tragedy in the massacres of these communities or the mass suicides. You and I are familiar with this from the four kinos that we recite among the others on Tisha B'Av. You know, four of them have to do with, the, the most graphic, by the way, have to do with the Crusades and not with the uh, destruction of Asa Megdush. And um, the suggestion is then made that uh, this is the reason why you have all these uh, you know, uh, availless practices. In other words, on the one hand, Rabbi Kiva's students died, and then Klaistral was hit with a terrible Maka, you know, in 1096. And this indicated to the generation that this is an unlucky time of the year. This is indicated to the generation as the Malcolm Ovis are running around in the summer months, between Pesach and Saras. This would mean that it's not coincidentally that the Rabbi Kiva's students died at that time it was an unlucky time. See, I'm giving, it's, it's a meta-historical approach not a historical approach. And this came to reflect itself in the practices of no music, no uh, haircuts, no weddings, and that sort of thing. You find this in the Taz. But it's only because, and the Archa Shulchan quotes it, but it's really in the Taz, who's in the 17th century. And the Taz is saying it because he's trying to figure out why is it that no chasen is after uh, uh, Lag Bomer? Because he knew that there are some places they make weddings after Lag Bomer because they keep the first days. And other places, even though they keep the first days, they don't do weddings after Lagomar. Why not? It's all over. Unless you say, well, crusades went on during this time, and that's an extra reason to keep this longer. The problem I have with that is, as I said before, if this was a Ashkenazic uh, practice, 
then I get it, because it would reflect the Hashkenazic historical experience. But we have records of these sphere practices of one form or another in Spain, and long before 1096. And so it doesn't work out exactly. I do understand that one could say it's sort of like doubled down on it and hammered it down, and, you know, seared into the consciousness of the Jewish people this unlucky time, and this sense of unlucky should be reflected in uh, various practices of mourning, one form or another, but uh, it can't be the source of it, okay? Because it preceded it. Now, uh, see, I told you, I'm, I'm going to make a mess out of this because it's a historical mess. In addition to everything I just said, the, to, to these guesses, which are classic, and I say again, you can see in Zavin or, or something like that, in addition to these sources, we have the other problem of Lagba Omer becoming a big deal. Because there's Lagba Omer, let's put it this way, Lagba Omer uh, negative and Lagba Omer positive. Lagba Omer negative would simply mean is a day that uh, you get a haircut. Uh, it's a day you don't have to say Tachnan. Skip Tachnan. That's called Lagmomer negative. It's a day you can make a wedding. But what I said before, that Lagmomer is a fasting growing holiday in Judaism, I'm not referring to the fact that a lot of Chilonim are now taking haircuts from Lagmomer. What do we mean? We mean Lagmomer as Miron, as Party City, as super explosive place where masses show up to sing Bar Yochai and dance and get really high and when I say high, I don't, I'm not being cynical I don't mean in the drug sense, yeah that's true but I'm talking about, you know, people go to really lose themselves in an ecstasy, uh, which is just interesting and uh, the whole, let's put this come to pilgrimage of Bar Yochai what the heck does Roshim Bar Yochai have to do with anything I spoke about until now you understand, no, the log bomber positive, how did that happen, the log bomber negative has to do with the calculations that I said before and the obscure traditions, and somehow you end up with 32 days or something like that, or pros, pros atzeres. But what does that have to do with, 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 with Lagbam being a positive and happy day, and a super happy day? And so, somehow or other, and I don't know the answer how, it got associated with Shimbin Yochai. And the reason I say it is, yes, I have heard of Shimbin Yochai, but there's no source in the Talmud or anywhere like that until you get to very modern times, which says that um, this is the yard site or the birthday or something like that of Shem B'Yochai. Now, what does it have to do, Lama Gilbam or Shem B'Yochai? We all know the story that he was hiding in the cave in the Gemara and Shabbos. You know where you find the Shabbos? Lag, on, on, on page Lama Gimel, Lag Bummer, you know, Shabbos 33. Uh, so we all know the story of Shem B'Yochai. And, you know, with the with the conversation, he ended up hiding in the cave, uh, coming out of the cave and all that sort of thing. I get it. First of all, he doesn't die there. Second of all, yes, he survived in the cave with his son, but it doesn't say anything about Lagba Omer. It doesn't say he came out of the cave in Lagba Omer or anything like that. Nor is the claim made, as far as I'm aware, that this story happened in Lagba Omer. So then, what's the association of Shem Bechai and Lagba Omer? It's a good question I'm asking. And uh, on the other hand, in the Zohar, there is a passage of, what is it, the Idra Rab, I guess, where, is it Idra Rab, Idra Zuta, where at the end, where there's a whole long uh, description of the extremely dramatic uh, and metaphysical um, happening 
of the day of the death of Shem Yochai, because he comes and is surrounded by the students, and they have these conversations like Socrates, you know what I mean? Knows he's, he's, he's talking and learning with him as he dies, and then a, a flame surrounds his uh, coffin and raises up. I haven't seen this since last year, but I remember those stories. So knows this is a super and unbelievable event. Fine, no problem. Okay, but it doesn't say it happened to Lug Bomer. In spite of what I just said, obviously, the feeling got out there that it happened to Lug Bomer. Uh, and by the time you get to the Arizal, at least we have stories. You don't know. You know, you have stories in which the Ari, you know, went and gave his son a haircut on that day, and he talked about Hilul of the Rajbi, Shimbi Yochai, and he's supposed to have cursed somebody who was sad on that day, and they got into a bunch of stories. They even have a story in the Shimchei Abesh, which is very, very interesting, that the basin of, of uh, Yosef Kara, because the Ari Zal lived for two years in Sfat, the last two years of his life, when he was in his 30s. He died young. And the uh, Yosef Kara was running around at that time. As a matter of fact, the Ari Zal in, in um, Nister was superior to the other. That's the whole theory of the Kabbalah. He's superior to everybody else. But in Nigla... He wasn't superior to the Rosh Hashiva, who was Yosef Kara. The reason I say it is, if you look in the Shilas and Shubas of Yosef Kara, I remember this. There are one or two Shilas from Dari, I think in Badagamar and Balbasa or something like that, in Nigla, you know what I mean? No, it was regular Lumdas. There's one or two Shilas from the result of Yosef Kara. And I'm going by memory, but I remember the Shivchei Hari, it says that the Yosef Kara wanted to sort of like abolish uh, Lag as, as a happy day or some you know party day. So you see, already that time is a party day, and the Ari blocked it. He said, "Leave it alone. Let, let it happen." So you have these very late and kabbalistic sources from the 16th century that talk about this as a, as a day they're already partying. Although we have sources in the 15th century, in the 1400s. I remember the Bartanur talks about it when he moves to Israel that they already have pilgrimages Shemuelchai. So let it be that in the high Middle Ages or something like that. You already have a tradition of going for pilgrimage to Shimon on Lag Bomber. Where do you get it from? Like I said before, if you come from the history point of view, show me the source. Show me a Chazal or a Gemara or something like that. You know, Medrash. Uh, but, but there isn't any. So this has perplexed people for a long, long time. Now, by the time you get to the Kabbalists, and especially the Hasidim, there'll be a whole literature. You will find Hasidic sources. The May Sosk and others will say it's the uh, Halula is the is the Yard down in that day, or you'll find others who say he was also born in that day. Some will say they got smicha on that day because you try. You know how that works? It works like this: the students of Rabbi Kiva died um, between the Gemara says. Now I'm d- d- dealing with a regular non-mystical source. The Gemara said they died between Pesach and Atzeres, so he lost his whole yeshiva. But then he started again in his old age. And it said, basically started out with a new yeshiva, with a, with a group of, of new students. Sort of like happened in our time with the Panavish and Rav. And, uh, and who were the new students? Rameir, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon, Ding, 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 Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Shimon. So the second round of students of Rabbi Kiva included Rabbi Shimon Yochai. But, oh, you know, what does that have to do with Lag Bummer? He also he also uh, taught the Rameir. He also taught Rebuda. Why don't you make a, the you know the, not a Shimbi Yochai Rameir day? But then you tell me the Rameir didn't write the Zohar. You know you you end up like I say grasping at straws. And uh, Rav Zevin, who was a Lubavitcher, is very clear in his 
in his essay on the Lagbomber you know, he 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 is margish all this. And uh, it's like a, a, a historical critical uh essay on Lagbomber, which is just very interesting. You'll find this in the uh in the um in the Modi Malocha. And he has the literature, the classic literature out there of Gedole Poskim, uh not Hasidic. Gedole Poskim who uh, were bothered let me put it this way, who bothered by Lagbomber coming such a big holiday, like I say, not Lagbomber negative, but Lagbomber positive, from a two or three points of view. Uh, but they reflect the modernity. Uh, one is, uh, like, the, like the Hassam Sover, uh, and that is, is this Reform Judaism? You know, the Judaism is supposed to, Torah Judaism is supposed to be uh, nothing new. You know that, like the Chassam Sefer says. So he's bothered by the holiday of Lagbomber. Like, where did it come from? I don't like, he said, you know, new new things. Because it's like a Reformed Judaism. Now, I know it's not Reformed Judaism, but, you know, that whole mentality in which you can add things. Now, a historian will say this, that's a joke. Every living tradition adds things. But I know where the Chassam Sefer is coming from. He's living in a time of the rise of Reformed Judaism. Therefore, any new thing could lead to uh, who knows what. And uh, and therefore he expresses, uh, you know, strong reservations uh, to the uh, to the holiday. And if you look in Zevin, he quotes the 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 Samsa, You can see it yourself. Uh, that's one source. People like that, who were troubled in the nineteenth century by novelty, because uh, you know who who knows where it stops. It starts like bum ends up reform Judaism. That didn't. But I'm just telling you that was their sensibility. And the other one was. Uh, the Hadlakas, because it became a practice, oh, and the Bakhtanur talks about it, to burn clothes at the site of uh, Rabbi Kiva's grave. You know, as you come there, you go to the store, first of all, you buy, to use modern terminology, you buy $800 suit, right, $900 suit, and then you take it, you don't wear it, you take it to, uh, to Maron, and you burn it for Hadlakas. And obviously, if you're looking for a Jewish, it sounds pagan, you know, maybe it's a Muslim custom, but there's, let me put it this way, there's a Jewish source, which is that they, uh, they used to use the clothes of the Kohanim for the Simchas Beis HaShoi. Remember that? Hemyoni, a coin or something like that. Shabolu. Uh, isn't that right in Sukkah? You know, they used the the, uh, the leftover clothes of the Kohanim to make the torches. But then you have people, like I say, in the 19th century, like the Sholem Eshev and others, who's not Hasidic, and he's like this, it's Baltashchus. <laughs> Right, and, and 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 don't tell me from the Simchat Beis but there they used worn out clothes. Not here, you go to store and buy a new one. And it's it's it. Once again, we don't know the historical source for this. We know it happens. We know people were doing it for hundreds of years, uh, but they, they you know they felt very uncomfortable with this. And uh, it sounds like you know uh, uh, what shall I say? When the kings of Judah of old, it says you know some of them. Uh, you know, so they burned things at the at the uh, at their funeral, right? Mister Fosrabos or something like that, which could mean a lot of things. You know, the, the the if you look in the Tanakh, the you know the Radak and the other trying to figure out like why are they burning all these things at 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 the funerals of of certain kings, and you know this smacks of that. It's like a mourning practice. So once again, you have this clash in which like where did this come from? But they all knew it. It happens. They all knew it's there. And so they didn't know, you know, what to do with it. If you look in the Kafachayim, because he's Sephardic and you know, he brings all these, uh, uh, what shall I say, uh, 
Sephardic, especially Kabbalistic Sephardic, uh, you know, traditions. He'll say it's the day, Rav, he, I don't know where he gets it from, he says, it's the day Shem Ben Yochai got smicha. Get it? Which is the whole Gemara in the Yerushalmi and Sanhedrin, you know. Uh, so it's uh, it's not the day he died necessarily, it's the day he got smicha. Uh, you know, you end up with uh, some kind of connection, one with the other, trying to figure it out. I remember Zevin quotes a, 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 a 19th century rationalistic source, so with Shem Aryeh or something like that, where he had an extremely rational source, which which actually resonates with those of us who had relatives who went through the Holocaust. And he said, why did they make a Halil Shemiyuchai? Because the Romans wanted to kill him. And they never did kill him. He died in bed. In other words, he, he lived his full life and died, you know, like people do. And he died in bed and never never was captured by the Romans. For a Jew who's wanted by the guy to, to have a regular life and, and die a regular death, and not by Hitler, this was already considered Madrega. You know, so it's, it's, it's too rationalistic to explain the frenzy of the log bomber. But let me put it this way. Me, myself, and I, my mother's mother uh, died in uh, Czechoslovakia in 44, like two weeks, three weeks before the Germans showed up. And so she died, and they had a, a lavaya, and they sat shiv and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then, like a week after that, the Germans showed up. So no, that's a bracha. You get what I'm saying? She wasn't captured by the Germans and taken and, and gassed and that sort of thing. Uh, so if, you ha- if you're a European, you have any relatives, you know what I'm talking about. But again, you know, it, it's, it's too light, it's too easy. And so you end up, and I'm going to conclude because I've gone longer than I, I figured I would, with a, uh, a complex mess uh, because we have the 33-day business, which makes no sense. The, the simplest and most direct way of, under, uh, of practicing, not that I do this, is keep the whole sphere. You tell me like this. You, you hold the students where Abikiva died from between Pesach and Atzeres. Shine, do like the, the Beis Yosef, like the Ari. Just keep the whole thing and say, as a, as a sign of, uh, of, uh, of mourning for this, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping the whole time. Once you start breaking it up, you have different things, than where, you know, where do you get that from? But from the historical perspective, I'm sure it was impossible for communities to accept themselves all 49 days. You know, no, the Satan Rebbe I hear, okay, he's not everybody, you know. The average communities, they said, no, 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 when are we going to get finished with this? Like, people call me up all the time, say, when can I shave, when can I shave, when can I shave? And you end up with a whole uh, clash of, uh, of values. Uh, I think I told you, uh, I was just looking at the Kistur uh, Chanarch the other day, and I saw Mr. Burr also. And this year, by the way, Friday's like a loophole because they say if, if a Shkodesh ear falls out on a Saturday, which it does, Friday and Saturday, so you can, uh, you know, you can shave on Friday. Look it up yourself. Uh, because it's like a double simple. It's, a, it's, a, it's for the Kavit Shabbos and Kavit Shkodesh. On the other hand, Elsewhere, they say that there's a Tzavar B'Yuda Chassid. They should never shave on, on Rosh Chodesh, period. And people are very uh, superstitious when it comes to Tzavar B'Yuda Chassid. I am too. Uh, because, uh, you know, that stuff, you know, let's put it this way. You don't want to marry a girl that has the same name as your mother. And when that happens, they try to change their names. And, you know, similar things like that. So uh, that reflects what I'm talking about, which is this is. We're dealing with a, with a phenomenon which is not the usual in Judaism. Usually you have something called Pesach. If you look on the Chumash, it said the Jews left Pesach on the night of the 14th, 15th of, uh, of Nisan. 
And then they traveled and had the Kriyas Yamsuf. And they said, Ma Matzah Merom Yachlu. I get that. And I understand how Matzah works and Mara works. And I know what a Seder is. And, and I know what's the rice and I know what's the Rabbanan. And I can perceive from there. And I even know it's a minute. Right? I know something called kidneys. It's a minute. It's just added on. I get that. When it comes to the Sphira, by contrast, and becomes particularly Lagba Umber, whether Lagba Umber A or Lagba Umber B, because I remind you, if you're Ashkenazi, you go by the Maril. The Maril, his scheme works out the way he understands it with the Tachnum business, that they actually did die on the original 33rd of the day of the Umber, right? As I mentioned before. And if you hold like the Maharal, not the Maril, he says that the people who contracted it, you know, suffered after Lagbomer and died over the course of the next uh, two weeks, you know, between Lagbomer and the, and, and, the, and, and what do you call it, the Shavuos, which is horrible. Well, let me put it, I mean, the Maral's understanding is horrible. What do I mean? I remind you, he says, it's in the Chedusha Yagodos. You look up in, in, in Yavamas over there, in Tzamech Beis. He says that uh, 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 people were contracting it from the beginning, let's say, of uh, the Omer, until the 33rd day of the Omer. More and, pe- more and more people got it. But as Nebuch, we see now with the Corona, someone contracts it, symptomatic, asymptomatic, all the fancy words now, and could manifest itself a week or two or three after you get it. And person could suffer for days until they succumb or survive. And therefore, people were contracting it for the first 33 days of the Omer, according to the Maral. They stopped contra- first 32 days. On the 33rd day, in his understanding, they no, nobody knew contracted it. But plenty of people who had had it before, the symptoms popped up and killed people between Lagbomer and, um, and uh, Shavuos. So these are all suggestions, you understand? These are attempts to work backwards. Historians know how to work backwards, but they work backwards with sources. From a strictly historicist perspective, there's no, we don't know what to do with this claim that Lag Bomer is the Hillel of Shem Yuchai, because there's no Chazal that tells you that, right? We don't know what to do with the idea of Hadlokos on Lag Bomer. We don't know what to do with the custom, like the Chassam Sofer saying, who made up a thing to make a pilgrimage, you know, uh, to this place on Lag Bomer? We don't know what to do with it. We know it happened. We know, therefore, that Judaism isn't simply something where you go by the book, you look in the book, and, and, and it says orders, and you follow it. We know the Jewish religion, the Jewish tradition, has on occasion, very interestingly, come up from the, I would say, from the, from the bottom up, not from the top down, the, the masses of the Jewish people, the folk wisdom of Jewish people, have come up with some practices of their own, and these have tremendous vitality. And uh, right off the top of my head, uh, the two practices that are not in the Gemara, and not top-down, but they're bottom-up, is Lagbomer and, and Simchas Torah. Because uh, Simchas Torah is not in the Gemara at all. And nevertheless, it popped up and spread all over the Jewish people and became so vital and so powerful even today. And same thing, Lagbomer, in, in, in its own way. Um, to a degree, not the same thing, not the same thing, to a degree, other pilgrimages are popping up today, you know, like, uh, what do you call it, um, in the Ukraine, what am I thinking of? You know, Nachum Bressel or Uman, right? So uh, it's not the same thing, but nevertheless, it's, it, 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 it's Moshe, it attracts people. So you see, religion has like a vital um, beating heart of its own, 
and isn't always simply, uh, you know, rule followers like we do in the halachic uh, model. Anyway, that's my understanding in a very brief form of uh, what Rabbi Stefanski was asking me. And with that, I wish you uh, an easy sphera and a good log bummer coming up in a few weeks. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.